we join in with the angels. We join in with the angels. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. There is none like you, Lord. You're an awesome, wonderful God. And we praise you, Lord. We honor you as Lord of our lives today. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. I could go on and on and on worshiping. God is so good. He's been so good to us. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our honor. He's worthy of our time. Lord, we love you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your holy name. You guys may be seated in his presence. Thank you, Lord. Glory to his holy name. Hallelujah. Good morning, Linked Up Church. How are y'all doing today? I'm super excited. I am super excited. We're getting closer and closer to walking into our building. I've already pictured myself running around it. I'm so excited. I know you guys are too. Well, welcome this morning. Um, for those of you who've never been here and who came to hear from our pastor, I am not he. I am, and he is a wonderful man of God. And if you did come, if you're here for the first time, I really encourage you to come back and hear from him and his dynamic ministry and the anointing that's on his life. So we invite you to come back um, next week if you're here and um, for the first time. Um, I am Carol Houston. I'm a minister here on staff. I am in charge of our wonderful children in Children's Church. Yes, yes, yes. And I, guess I, and I have to acknowledge my team, my Linked Up Kids team. They're an awesome group of people to work with. Um, and I just want to like, as I'm here today, I just want to thank our pastors for everything that they, you know, that they pour into us and they give to us as a body, as a, as a church body, as well as as the staff. Um, they are a great blessing, and they've been a great blessing to me since I've since I've I've known them. So I just want to acknowledge them in their absence today. Um, I also want to acknowledge my husband, Minister George Houston. You guys all know him. He's a great husband, a very very involved father. I just don't, I don't know what I would be able to do without him and everything that he does and brings to the table in our family. Um, I also want to just acknowledge our dream team. I love our dream team. I love our dream team, so I definitely want to make sure, you know, we acknowledge them and everything they do. Um, obviously, we couldn't have any of this without their help and obviously, you know, our Father God. Um, the last time I was here... I guess let's pray first before I move on into the message. You guys want to pray? Let's pray. All right, Father God, we thank you for your love and kindness that you've shown toward us. We thank you for allowing us to walk into the door today to praise you and to worship you, Lord. We don't take it lightly. 
every day, every breath that we take, Lord, we thank you for it. Lord, I pray that as I go forth with this message, I pray, Lord, that I'm anointed to teach it and they're anointed to hear it. Lord, I pray that as I speak, as I, as I read the words of your Bible, Lord, I pray people will find themselves in it. They will find themselves in the word, that they will apply these truths to their lives and that their lives will be changed, Father God, for the better. And we just give you glory and honor and praise for everything you're doing today, everything you're doing in the future in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So last time I prayed, which was a couple of months ago, I mean, taught, which was a couple of months ago um, in August, um, my message was on Faith 101. And I think, you know, I wanted to do that message or I felt led to do it because to me that's the base, one of the basic foundations of what we believe as a people. So I wanted to talk about that, but I also know that in the Bible it tells us that faith worketh by, does anybody know? Love. Faith worketh by love. So my title today for the sermon is Love Is. And we're going to go through a whole bunch of points on what love is. So if you have your YouVersion um, app, you can go ahead and pull up the notes on that. And we're going to talk about love is. So I want to start out with a statement. Love is, I want to fill in, I want you guys to fill in the blank. I want you to think, love is blank. What comes to mind when you hear that phrase? Love is blank. There are probably an infinite amount of things that we could actually put into that blank. If you're online, go ahead and put some things in. If you're watching online, what do you think of when you hear love is? So today, that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, I want to read a quote because if I ask you guys to tell me about love, I'm sure you guys, raise your hand if you can give me a scripture on love. All right, raise your hand if you heard a message on love before. Raise your hand if you read anything in the Bible or heard anything or know anything about love. All right, so really, that represents all of us. Um, and so as Christians, if you come to church on a regular basis, you're going to hear about love. In fact, I was listening to Pastor Gregory's messages. A lot of times I'm in children's church and I'm not in here. So usually I listen to them online. And even when I was listening to his message, he was talking about um, what was his title? He was talking about living connected. But all throughout uh, the last couple of weeks, he's been talking about living connected, but it was talk he was also talking about love. So he shared a lot of scripture and a lot of thoughts about love. And the reason for that is because love is embedded in everything that we do as Christians, or at least it should be, right? I want to read a quote, a couple of quotes. The first one is from, is, is from Gandhi. Are you guys listening? It says, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And this is from Gandhi. Another, uh, another lady, I believe she's a reporter. Her name's Catherine Whitehorn. She says, why do born-again people so often make you wish that they'd never been born the first time? So obviously, as a Christian, that hurts. It's like, ouch. You know, I feel like sometimes as Christians, we get a bad rep for things, for our beliefs and the things that we stand up for. But when I read things like that, I have to take some ownership in it as well, right? Because when I represent or try to represent what I feel like Christ is, and I'm, I'm out in the workplace or I'm out in the community or even in our homes and our families, the question we have to ask ourselves is, 
Are we living like Christ? Gandhi said, your Christians are so unlike your Christ. They're so unlike your Christ. And I, when I think about sometimes I, I watch, you know, we all make mistakes, right? Nobody is perfect unlike Christ. We're not perfect. But we should be working toward that. And so sometimes when I see, you know, different things that I do, different things that I say, I have to stand back and I have to look, am I representing Christ well? Would somebody look at what I just said and what I just did and say, they are like your Christ? And a lot of times, unfortunately, my answer to that is no. <clears throat> that means I have a lot of, lot of improvements to make. And so this is a, you know, our Christian walk is a walk, right? We're not, we're not going to arrive before we die, but we should be moving forward. And so that's why I wanted to really talk about love today, because I feel like as Christians, we want to make sure that we are showing that so that people can't say, I don't like your Christians. I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. They shouldn't be saying that about us. Um, the number one point in my, um, the, the first point in my message today is love is the infrastructure, I'm sorry, infrastructure of Christianity. Love is the infrastructure of Christianity. I'm going to read uh, Matthew 22, 36 through 40 in the NIV. Let me get over there. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. It says, teacher, and of course we know they're talking to Jesus here, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus is telling us this is the number one thing. If you can't remember all those laws that, we, that you learned back in the Torah in the Old Testament, if you can't remember all of those things, just focus on these two. Love God and love your neighbor. And I think that's good. It simplifies it for us. So even sometimes some of the things that we may do, they might not be the wrong things, but if we're doing them for the wrong motives, then we're still not loving God and not loving our neighbor. So we have to not only consider our actions, although we do need to consider our actions, we also have to consider our motives. Is this, am I doing this out of a, a, a love, is this out of love or is this out of a selfish ambition? I'm gonna, I also have listed in point B, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and I, I do encourage you to read that on your own time, but I'm gonna skip down to John 13, 34 through 35. And it's still, this is still under the point the that love is the infrastructure of Christianity. Basically, it's the foundation. Oh my gosh, when I was sitting there hearing that song that they were singing, I was like, they're still in my message. Because it says, I will build my life on your love. I will build my life on your love. This is the same thing that I'm saying at this point. That love is the infrastructure. It's the foundation of Christianity. And then the, the song goes on to say it is a firm foundation. And so as Christians, that's what we should build everything on. That's what we should build our marriages on. That's what we should build our relationships with our children on. That's what we should build our relationships in the workplace on. All of those things should be built on a foundation of love if I am truly saying I am like Christ. If I want to be the Christian that's like Christ, because unfortunately many of us are not, and the world sees it. But if I want to be the one 
who does live my life like Christ, I must build everything on that foundation of love. John 13, 34 through 35 says, a new command, of course, this is Jesus talking, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. So they don't really care if you say you're a Christian. In fact, some people are really turned off by that because they've seen people say they're Christians and didn't act like they were Christians. But what it says is they will know you are my disciple if you love one another. That's how we distinguish ourselves. That's how we set ourselves apart from the world. It's when we're showing them love, even when they're being petty with us. When we're showing them love, even though we know they're going behind our back trying to, you know, make change things that are not in our favor. That's when they know that we're Christians, true Christians, if we love one another. I looked up some definitions. I looked up a whole bunch of definitions. I was trying to find one that I liked. Um, for, for love, and it's really agape love. It reads, unconditional love that is always giving. Raise your hand if you're always giving. I had to put mine down. I'm not always, I do give, but I'm not always giving. Always giving and impossible to take or be a taker. This conditional love devotes total commitment to seek your highest, best. <sighs> highest best, no matter how anyone may respond. Mm. This form of love is totally selfless and does not change whether the love given is returned or not. I don't know if you, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes if somebody acts a certain kind of way toward me, I act a certain kind of way back. Now, is that the love of God? No. Do I feel justified at the time? Yes. That is not enough. That is not enough for me to call myself a Christian just because I feel good. My flesh feels good because they acted that way toward me. You know what? I don't need you anyway. I have that attitude sometimes when people do something to me. I'm like, I don't need you. Like, you think I need you? God, they got it twisted. They got it twisted. I have, to, I have to be really, actually, I have to be careful for that in my marriage. Because sometimes if my husband makes me mad, then like later on he'll come back and he'll say, honey, you need me to do, mm, no, I got it. You need to talk to me. <laughs> That's not love, right? That is not love. All right, so I have a quote here that says, to be an unloving Christian is a contradiction. An unloving Christian is a contradiction. Unloving Christian, those two things don't go together. They can't go together. They're like, they like repel each other. And that's what the world is telling us. You're saying this, but you're doing this. They're repelling each other. They said it's an oxymoron. Oxymoron to be an unloving Christian. So what does love look like? So, of course, we all know that 1 Corinthians 13 is the, has a big love passage in it, right? Well, most, a lot of us know that. And so I started, when I was talking about love, I started with that. And so we're going to go there, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. I'm going to read the first part of verse 4. And I realized that I can only get two points in. Okay, I got that. So we're going to first start out with the first one. Love is, and if, if you read it in the NIV, it says love is patient. 
Love is patient. I have a definition of patience. It's the capacity to, to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting upset or angry. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay, okay, delay. Ugh. To accept trouble, to accept suffering without getting angry or upset. Sometimes somebody might, people might look at me in a situation and think that I'm being patient. But on the inside, I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing that. So is that really love? Is that really patience? And you know, God sees your heart. He sees it all. So even though I might look like this in the inside, I'm like, and so God knows all of that. And so we really have to, that's why we have to check our motives. We always have to check our heart. We always have to try to make sure that everything is based on that foundation of love. And we're not just doing it because pastor's watching me and I need to be nice to this person who's tripping and da da da, da. Not just for that reason, but because we want to we wanna be pleasing to our father. We want to represent him well. Okay? All right, so I'm going to read Romans 5, 3 through 5, and I'm going to read it in the Message Bible. And this is the first point under patience. So we said love is patient. And the other one is that love is developed through trials. Point A, Romans 5. It says there's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us. Passionate patience. What is that? And how that patience, in turn, forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God gener generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. And this is through patience. So at the beginning it says, we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience. So that first point was patience is developed through trials. It's developed through trials. Now, you know how, they, how, you know how when you're believing God to be a certain way, you pray for it, you confess it? Honestly, every time I think, and I hate to say this, every time I think of praying to be more patient, I can see the impatience in me. I can see it. And I think, I need to get better at this. Let me pray about being more patient. But before I pray about it, I always think, if I pray about patience, what's coming next? <laughs> trials, because I can't get it without trials. And do I really want trials? So I honestly, I hate, I hate to say it. I just like say, OK, I need patience. But I don't think I want to pray for it, because I'm scared it's going to come with lots and lots of trials. And I have enough of trials, so I just won't worry about it. I just try to develop on my own so I won't pray for it. I know that's bad. I know that's bad. I remember my husband and I, when we did our premarital counseling way a long time ago, which I recommend, by the way, if you're going to get married. We did our premarital counseling, and they gave us this survey, and you had to rate each other on different characteristics. So one of them was patience. And so, you know, when we, after we did the survey, we did them separately, you know, in our own homes, and then we came back with the minister, and we were going over the survey, and he said, this is interesting. Because like some things we agreed on and something, you know, a lot of things we did agree on. Um, but this one, it was like, when I was, when I looked, it said, rate him on patience. I rated him much higher than I rated myself. 
And then for, from his perspective, he rated me much higher than he rated himself. So it was interesting because we were both basically saying, I'm not patient. Um, that's basically what we were, we were admitting that we were not patient. Um, in fact, on the way here today, and I knew I was preaching this message, right? I knew I was going to be talking about patience. When I think about being patient, I was trying to think of some good examples of some times when I've been really, really super patient so I could share them with you guys. You could be blessed by it. And I was going, I thought of myself driving. I drive a lot. My kids play soccer. We live in Ackworth. They play soccer in Buckhead, Atlanta. So I'm in the car a lot, right? So when I'm thinking about myself being patient, I can just imagine me blowing at this person for cutting me off and like, why, why are they in, the, in my lane? Get out of my lane. <laughs> so I'm always very impatient. I'm a very impatient driver. And so I was thinking about that. But on the way here, I was laughing because Somebody like came into my lane and then they saw me over there so they got back over. And normally I would say, why are you in my lane? Get out of my lane, pick a lane, that kind of thing. I didn't say anything. I was so proud of myself. That was this morning on the way to church. So I have spent like three hours being patient. Everybody say praise God. All right, so patience is something that most of us do need to work on. And some people are more patient than others. And I notice sometimes the older you get, sometimes it seems like the more patient you get. I don't know. I haven't gotten to that point yet. No? No, I mean, when you think about your grandmothers and those, they're not, no? I don't know. I feel like you do, but I don't know that for sure. That's not a fact. All right, so we're going to go ahead and go to, um, oh, I thought about one other statement I make a lot. It's like, I just, I just will not tolerate foolishness. What does that mean? I'm impatient, right? And really, the interesting thing is some of that comes from a spirit of pride. Because when I can't be patient with you for your shortcomings, what am I saying? I'm better than you. Man, I got it together. You need to get it together. I don't have time for this. That's what I'm saying. When we can't be patient with somebody else's shortcomings, that's really magnifying our shortcoming. So let's talk about love is <clears throat> discovering a bigger perspective. We're still talking about patience. Ephesians 4.2, it says, be completely humble. This is the NIV. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. <clears throat> so again, Humility and pride are opposites, okay? So this, the scripture is telling us, be humble. When we're being humble, that helps us to then be more patient. A lot of times when, you know, I'm, I'm, I teach school part-time and I work here part-time. Okay, so when I'm in the school, I teach high schools. I'm around, around a lot of teenagers all the time for years and years. All right, and some people say, oh my gosh, I can never do that. They're so disrespectful these days, these teenagers. And I really don't have the problem of disrespect with my students. Um, I feel like I respect them, they respect me. We don't really have problems in that area. But I do have problems, just like one of the main problems we have this day with teenagers are cell phones. I think even with some adults we have that problem. <laughs> but one of the main problems I have is cell phones. So I'm in the classroom, I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to teach you and educate you, and you're doing this. Or they're, a lot of times they're playing games, they're doing different things, and I can tell them over and over and over, okay, put your phone away. They asked us not to take up phones. We used to do that a long time ago. Somebody took up a phone from a student, then another student stole it, and now we're liable, so we don't even take them up too much. Uh, every once in a while, maybe. But uh, we try not to take them up, 
for that reason. But then, you know, I tell them, put your phone away. As soon as I turn around, so A squared plus B squared equals C squared, and then they get it right back out, because I'm not looking, right? And so you're saying the same thing over and over and over. And sometimes, you know, I have to remind myself, okay, these are kids, you know, they don't really get it totally. So I have to really try to operate in patience with them and try to be nice. Because after you said it like the 133rd time in one class period, it gets a little, oh, you're like, put those cell phones away. I just want to scream. I want to snatch somebody up. I want to do all of that. But I obviously, they won't allow me to do that. I think they might take me to jail. But um, so that's not an option. So I pretty much have to be patient. So, you know, just those types of things, just working with young people. If you have children, raise your hand if you have children, then you know you've been tried, right? You've been tried. And we win some of those and we lose some of those. But let's work more toward winning them and being, even being more patient, even with our children and our spouse and the people that are in our home. Let's go on to... Um, <laughs> Point C, Colossians 1, 9 through 11. And I'm going to read it in the NIV. Colossians 1, it says 9 through 11, but I'm going to do 9 and then skip down to 11. It says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. I'm going to skip down to 11 because they were praying a lot of different things. I'm praying for you that you'll be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. And so it is something that we should pray for. We should pray that for each other. If you're in a small group and you have people, you know, we encourage you to be a part of a small group and be connected. If you're in a small group and you know and you can see that people are being tried and they're being, you know, tested, this is a time when we can pray for them to be able to have patience through the trial to have patience with their children if you see that that's a problem, to have patience in their marriages if you see that. But this is a time when we can pray for each other. Paul was saying, I prayed for you, that God would give you the power to be patient. And we need that. I, I need that. We definitely need that. I'm going to go ahead and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, back to 13. Remember, this is really the foundational scripture. The first point we learned, we read in verse 4, we said love is patient. And the next thing is love is kind. Love is patient. Love is kind. I want you guys to think right now about the kindest person you know. Think hard. Of all your years, who would you say is the kindest person that you know? If you are online, just type it in, the kindest person you know. Have you guys thought of somebody? Did somebody say no? <laughs> I don't know anybody kind. Everybody's just crazy. Um, so have you guys thought of somebody? Now, I'm just curious. This is just for my own personal. I'm just curious. Raise your hand if you thought of a woman. Look around. Put your hands down. Now, raise your hand if you thought of a man. Look around. Now, what I'm not saying, I am not saying that men are not kind. Because I know, to make sure I understand, I know a lot of men that are kind. But usually when we think about the people that are the kindest person that we know, usually that's a woman. 
I'm not sure why, maybe it's the whole nurturing thing. But I said that today because I know we have a lot of godly, wonderful men in here today. And I don't want you to think this message is not for you because we need strong, godly men to show kindness. We need them to show it with their spouse. We need them to show it with their children because a lot of times I understand you have your woman, you have your man, you have to be different, you have different roles, but a lot of times men are more harsh with the children than the women. So we need you to show it with your children. We need you to show it in the community. We need that from you guys. Show people the love of Christ. This is everybody. But I I just said that because a lot of times when when we talk about things like love, when we talk about things like kindness and those types of things, for some reason, we kind of associate those more with women. But these are not feminine characteristics. These are godly characteristics. Totally different things. I'm not sure why we normally associate them with women, but for some reason we do. Even when they had the graphic, where did the graphic go? Anyway, when they had the they had a graphic, and I saw one graphic that they were going to put, and I was like, it looks too girly. Like, I need the men to know that they're a part of this. We need our men to be kind as well. I have um, my husband a few years, this is several years ago, long, long time ago. We were actually at a different church. And they had what was called a SWAT team. Do y'all know what that is? Soul winning attack team, okay? We went out on the streets and we won souls for the kingdom, right? So we would go out, we'd walk up to people and we'd say, hi, my name is Carol. If you were to die today, do you know if you would go to heaven or hell? And they, if they think about it, then we go in, right? Because we want people to be saved. That's important. So he was out with the SWAT team one, one Saturday and he met a gentleman that was homeless. And, um, you know, the guy, I guess they talked. I'm not even sure how they got, how they, you know, got such a bond in that short amount of time. Because usually we were like from one person to the other. We were walking and moving around. But some kind of way, he and this homeless guy was a younger guy, well, younger than him. And um, some kind of way they exchanged phone numbers or they, you know, said, he said, you know what? Because the guy said, you know, I'm homeless. I'm down on my, you know, I'm just down on my luck. I don't, you know, I can't get a job, I can't get this, you know, I have, you know, I have experience, but I can't get a job, and all these things. So my husband said, you know what, I'm going to walk you through this. Now, this is kindness, okay? I need you to understand. This is kindness. He said, I'm going to walk you through this. I'm going to meet with you once a week. I'm going to buy you lunch. We're going to get together, and we're going to talk, and we're going to work this out. So over the time, they would meet. He's like, I can't get a job. I don't have a driver's license. So he said, okay. They worked it out. They figured out how he could come up with an address because, of course, you need an address for a driver's license. I don't know exactly how they came up with that, but they you know, figured out an address for him to have. And then you know, he gave him, he didn't give him the money, okay, because kindness is not exactly the same thing as being nice. He didn't just give him the money. He gave him a money order written out to the people for the, for, the, for the driver's license. So the guy was able to go get his driver's license and then, you know, hopefully go and get a job and those types of things. At some point, I think the guy stopped coming. Um, but to me, that was a great example of kindness. Because me personally, I, you know, I used to do this a lot when we used to go to West End and we would have, you know, I would see a lot of people on the streets asking for money and... You know, just because I wanted to be a good example, my kids would always be in the car with me. So I would, you know, I would say, okay, let's, I would say, guys, you have some money, we're going to give this guy, and I would give him a dollar. That's, to me, that's being nice. That's being nice. 
But when you put yourself in a situation where you are truly giving of yourself, you're giving of your time, you're giving of your resources, and you're really pouring into somebody in a way where it can really impact their life, and you're being unselfish in order to do this, that is what God would consider kindness. And that's the man that Jesus was. That's the Good Samaritan, you know, the Good Samaritan that was walking on the way. We all know the story. And even the preachers walked by the person that was hurting on the side of the street. That makes me sad. Even the preachers, because they were too busy, or they didn't have time, or I don't want to get my hands dirty. I don't have time for that. This is not what I was planning on doing. That was not on my agenda. Sometimes I say, that was not on my agenda for today when my, like my daughter, I think, asked me to go back home to get her band instrument or something. I'm like, that was not on my agenda. So sometimes we're just so busy. We need to take time to see what the needs are. And I feel like I think I'm, I'm going to a point that I haven't gotten to, but it's coming. I'll just do it now. We need to see the needs that are around us. And sometimes God lets you see a need, not so you can just pray for the need, so you can meet the need. We got to be willing. You know, for me, it's really easy. Okay, I have two girls that travel all the time. So I'm here, there, here, there. I have two jobs. Here, there, here, there, here, there. Okay, it's really easy for me to write a check to somebody. I said, oh, here you go. It's a donation for your cause. But it's a little bit more for me to say, you know what? I'm going to come and volunteer, and I'm going to help you guys feed the homeless today. Or I'm going to come and volunteer, and I'm going to help you stock the shelves or sort the different things that they have to sort so they can get this food to the people who have that need. And when God shows us that need, yes, pray about it. But if you hear him telling you to do, be about it, then be willing to be about it. Show kindness. That's what the world is looking for, something different in us. How are we different than the world? Because we show love, because we show patience, because we show kindness. I am going to read Proverbs 31. And we know the Proverbs 31 scripture is written for women. All right? So it has she all in there, right? But you know, there are a lot of scriptures that have he and him and the women, we take it for us ourselves as well, right? So I'm going to ask the men to do that today. Even though it has she, this is for you too. <laughs> is it okay? Thank, I appreciate you. <laughs> all right, Proverbs 31 says, she or he opens her mouth or his mouth with kindness and in her or his tongue is the law of kindness. I said that wrong. She opens her mouth with wisdom. I'm trying to get that he in there. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Is that a description of what happens when you open your mouth? I know sometimes it's not for me. I grew up with a dad and a grandfather that were so sarcastic. I would ask, um, I asked my grandfather, and this is a grandfather, you know, I feel like they're supposed to be nice. I asked my grandfather, I was like, can I have such and such? I don't know, can you? <laughs> really, that's your answer to me, your granddaughter, that's a little, little kid, that's your answer? Okay, thanks. And my dad was the same way. And y'all stretch your hands toward me. I'm the same way. <laughs> and stretch your hands toward my oldest daughter over there. She's the same way. 
my second daughter. She's the same way. I have a little hope for that little one. She hadn't quite got there yet. She's like the baby. She just like takes it all. She's like, I've got to take it. Let's pray for her that she'll be able to not have that. Seriously. So out of her, out of her mouth is the law of kindness. Kindness. I have an aunt. I have a lot of aunts. My mom passed when I was 13, and there were 12 of her and her siblings. So there were six boys, six girls. So once she passed, I, stayed, I still stayed with my dad, um, but my aunts became more a bigger part of my life than what they normally would be because I didn't have my mother. So her sisters kind of stepped in, and in different phases, one stepped in to do this and one stepped in to do that. So there was a time when my, when my first daughter was born, and my nephew, who's a year and a half or two years older than her, there, we have, my sister and I both have like an older child and then we have a gap, big gap before we get to our second one. And so they were like the two grandchildren. And so um, she was kind of the grandmother since my mother had passed. Her name was Aunt Neil. And when I think about someone opening their mouth with the law of kindness, I know for them, they grew up with a great affection toward her because every time they were around her, she was very kind. It was like, oh, Kelsey, you look so pretty. Oh, Kelsey, da, 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 you're so great and wonderful. And I was like, Kelsey, sit down. Kelsey, don't move. Kelsey, da, da. You know, so I'm, I'm the mom, but, you know, I'm, all I'm doing is that part, and she's doing that part. So they, you know, had a very, you know, they were, had a great affection toward her because of the law of kindness. And so we can take that. We can use that for the people that we're around. We don't even have to wait for it to be our grandchildren. We can do that with our children. Or if you have grandchildren, you can be that for your grandchildren. Because sometimes they have the mom, like me at home, that's like goal-oriented. Sometimes I pass the person and I go to the goal and all I see is their room is not clean. I need you to get your life together, right? <laughs> I go past the person. So, you know, if you, if you can be that person for somebody, everybody appreciates kindness. Even us old people, we appreciate kind words when we walk into a room. We appreciate kind words on a job well done. We appreciate acknowledgement. Everybody can, can gain something from the kindness that we can show through our words. So let, point A of kindness was speaking the law of kindness. Point B was seeing the needs of people around you. And I kind of put that one first because um, I told the example of my, husband's, of, my, of my husband with the homeless person. Kindness gives people dignity. You know, sometimes if they've been beat up so much, and this is something that I, I try to remember as a teacher to help me have better patience with them when they're doing crazy stuff. I try to, I don't know what their life is like at home. I don't know how much they're getting beat up. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if there's abuse. I don't know if there's neglect. I don't know if they're just there. You know, I don't know. And so I try to remember they need that patience and that kindness from someone to help build them up if they're being torn down somewhere else. Or like your husband might be going to work and being torn down in the workplace, and they need to be, come, be able to come home and be built back up, right? Obviously, praying in the Holy Ghost is a great way to do that. But if we want to be able to help affect that change, we can build them up. I, had, um, I traveled to Tennessee. This was probably about a year and a half, maybe two years ago. I went to Tennessee. My youngest daughter had a tournament there. When I left, my car was making a weird little noise. It was like small, but I kind of ignored it. And <laughs> this is my Honda that I love. You guys know my Honda? 
Some of you that know me, I love my car. Um, I don't have it anymore, but I drove, I went out to Tennessee. It was making a little noise. I didn't think it was a big deal. By the time I got there, it was not a, a little noise anymore. It was like, like every time I would turn, I would hear this noise. And so I, was, I said, okay, okay. I got to get this looked at, but I'm in Tennessee, and I need to get back, and it was on a Sunday. I couldn't take it anywhere. Nobody was really open, so I went to the, to the soccer dads, and of course, you know, I told you my kids played in, in Buckhead, so the, all the soccer dads are like attorneys, and they're like, I said, hey, you know, they were all like huddled together talking before the game. I was like, hey, does anybody know anything about cars? And they started laughing. I knew that I could not get any help from them. So I went back, and here I am. I don't know anything about cars either, but I watch people work on cars sometimes, so sometimes I think I know something, but I really don't. So I opened my hood, and I'm like looking, and I actually did find out where the noise was coming from, but I didn't know how to fix it, you know? I didn't know that. So I had mentioned to the dads that my car was making a noise, and that's why I wanted to know, right? It was, there were probably four or five dads there. One dad, one dad came back to me and said, you know what? I know you said your car is messed up. You're getting ready to get on the road by yourself with your 10-year-old. Here's my number. Kindness. Kindness. And my car stopped on me, so I needed that number. I was like, oh, where's that number? Hey, John, how you doing? So I'm on the side of the road. Where are you? Have you passed exit? So, oh, no. Oh, good. So you can pass right by me. I'll be right there. And I actually, but out of all, you know, and it, it stuck with me. And now when I see him, he's, when I see him, I see kindness. Like, it doesn't matter what he does from here on out. And I've never seen him do anything bad. I don't know him that well just from on the soccer field. But when I look at him, I see kindness because there were several men. I mean, quite a few of them. And only one was kind enough to say, here is a woman on the road by herself, and she said her car's messed up. She might need some help. And that's what God is asking us to do, to see the need. See the need. Don't let the woman walk away knowing her car is messed up, and you don't even try to help her. Like, who does that? I mean, I'm not saying the other guys are mean, but I'm just saying... I don't really, like, when I look at them, I don't see kindness. I love them, though. I do. I do. All right, I'm going to read. I know I'm not going to be able to get to all of these scriptures. I, want, I do want to point out this last uh, point. Kindness is not weakness. Some people think if I'm the one that goes to apologize first, that I'm being weak. Or if I'm the one that goes out of my way to do this for this person, knowing they wouldn't do it for me, that I'm weak. Kindness is not weakness. It is not weakness. I'm going to read Acts 20, 35. I think I am. to make sure I find the right version. All right. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus himself when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. <clears throat> and that's why we show kindness, because other people need to see that. And it's more blessed for us to give than to receive. I want to read the whole 1 Corinthians 13 in the Message Bible. 
I, only, I knew I would only get to two points today, so I didn't even try to put more. But I do want to read it because it is important. It's important stuff. If I can find it in that version. Do y'all have it here? I don't see it in the version that I want, but I'll read it in the King James Version. For time. <clears throat> Love, <clears throat> excuse me. Love suffers long, or we said it's patient, and is kind. It envies not. It vaunted not itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked. It thinks no evil. Love rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I'm going to read John, the last point, and this is just a summary of what love is. Somebody said it from the very beginning. Love is well, God is love. I think I said, what is love? And we said, somebody said, love is God. God is love. I want to read 1 John 4, 8 through 10. Whoever does not know God, because God is love. Oh, sorry. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. Like, even if you say you know him and you're not showing love, you don't know him. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So I'm going go, to get ready to pray right now. On the end, at that scripture, that scripture says God sent his son, his one and only son, because he loved us. He loved you so much, he sent his best. I can't imagine sending my son to die for somebody. But he loved you that much. So today, as everybody closes your eyes and bows your head, I just want to ask a question. Have you received his love? The way that you receive the love of God, the way that you receive it, is that you receive his son Jesus into your life. God sent Jesus just for you because he loved you so much. I'm happy today you're here to have the opportunity to actually receive him. I want you to think really hard. If you're here today, and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, today is your day where you can do so. If you're here and you've never accepted him, I'm going to ask that you just raise your hand. If you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I know a lot of times when people come to church, most of the time they already have have had a relationship with him at some point. But there are a lot of times when we turn away from him. I know I did. 
we turn away and we start doing our own thing. And God never turns away from us. But when we turn from him, it does break the relationship. But if you're here today and you know that you've turned away from him, he is still there waiting for you with arms wide open. All you have to do is come back. When you come back, you will restore your fellowship with him. It'll be like it never happened. Whatever it was, it'll be like it never happened. So if you're here today and you have accepted Jesus at some point in your life, but you know you turn your, turn your back on him and you start doing things your own way, but you want to come back to him today, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you stepped away...